Super Talk Mississippi media production. Kickstart your adventure now with a new Gud Golf Cart from Country Carts of Brookhaven. Gud Golf Carts are assembled right here in Mississippi with the best features around. And best of all, they're street legal. Country Carts of Brookhaven, 401 Highway 51 South, phone 601-748-0454. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. I hope you're having a great day and welcome to the Coast View. How are you doing, Kyle? Terrific. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Doing really well. Hey, I just want to thank you for all you're doing to make this show a success. I noticed that yesterday's video is up to 1,500 shares. I think it's a lot because of the work that you're doing. And also, I think Angel did such an awesome job. So if you haven't watched the Angel Myers conversation from yesterday, it really is inspiring. And you can see it at YouTube and at Supertalk Mississippi or at the Supertalk Gulf Coast uh, Facebook page. Uh, I think you'll be glad that you did if you haven't seen it. But, Kyle, you're doing a good job. And I think you're having to wear a bunch of different hats. You're doing the radio thing. You're doing YouTube Live and Facebook Live and you're making us look good, man. Thank you so much. The, you're welcome. Life's not fun if it's not uh, busy and you know tra- challenging. <laughs> well, I like to say you're a man of many hats, but you're actually a man of many hands. You're having to push a bunch of bu- buttons at one time, so I appreciate what you're doing. Not a problem. Someone asked me, uh, actually, this has been a kind of a recurring question, is are my guests and I in the same room? Because because of the backdrops, are they're a little bit different. Go to the split screen, Kyle. So... Uh, there, there we are, and see, we're actually in the same room. Uh, we feel the, the chemistry. Sometimes you you watching on, on video don't right. necessarily feel that. We're going to actually fix that. We're going to do some things in the studio in the coming days and weeks that I think will help solve that a little bit. But, you know, we've gotten off to a terrific start. T- today, though, is a, is a special, special day for me because it falls under the category of leaders, young leaders of the storm. I've got actually two this week, Ashley Edwards today and Joe Cloyd on Friday. These are young people who were just getting started when Katrina hit, and then they took on big roles in Katrina, and they really made a significant difference. And since then, they've leveraged all those learnings to do amazing things in their life. In the case of Ashley, he's leading an organization that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. In the case of Joe, he's an entrepreneur doing, doing incredible things. You'll hear more about his story on Friday. But they're doing, they're just doing really neat things. And uh, it's been 15 years, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> but they're all very bright. And so over the course of time, I want to introduce those, those young people to you. It's great looking back at where they were and the roles that they played and kind of where they are today. Um, so anyway, I've got in the studio today Ashley Edwards, as I mentioned. He's the president and CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council. Welcome to the Super Talk and Coast View uh, studio. Thank you, Ricky. It's a, it's a great honor to be here with you. Thank you, man. So uh, you had an exciting weekend. I, absolutely, we did. Uh, my wife and I actually went up to Atlanta uh, for a Braves charity gala. We're we're huge Braves fans. I have been my whole life, and uh, you know we were there. My wife had told me she bought me tickets for my fortieth birthday. Um, you know, she said you might get to meet some of the players, and I said, "Wow, if you you really think that's a possibility, you think they're going to come down and mingle and." Uh, you know, it was it was incredible. I think we met the entire team, got photos. Who was your favorite? You know, it's this is actually interesting. My wife is going to laugh when she hears this, but I think my favorite was actually the general manager, Alex Anthopoulos, because yeah. I 
I'm sort of a geek about the business of baseball. You know, if I could do anything else in the world, I think I'd want to be a GM of a baseball team, put together deals and make sure you put a team together and statistics and numbers. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah, Love it. Money ball, that kind of Of whole thing. And, uh, but it was great. You know, he, he was extremely, uh, personable, took, uh, uh, about 10, 15 minutes and really just chatted with us. Uh, the next day, uh, I actually got to sit front row at an interview, a big te- nationally televised interview he was doing, and I got to ask him a question. And uh, it was really an honor because he, uh, after asking the question, he actually talked about me. And he said, uh, you know, this guy comes up to 28 games a year. He drives six hours. This is this guy so indicative of Braves fans, how great they are. So wow. it was a, yeah, that was a... That's that was, so cool. That, that was one of those moments that uh, you know I don't. I, I've met a lot of famous people in the roles I've had. Uh, I don't get starstruck much anymore. But around those guys, Mm-mm. you know, you never, you sort of never lose that little boy in you. You're, those you, you baseball don't. guys are your heroes. Yeah, you don't. Man. Hey, listen. When my dad died in 1979, it, that same the day before, I don't know if you remember Rich Maldi, who played yes. for the Saints. He was just you know he was a jack of all trades. Sure. Um, his dad died, and I watched him in the aftermath. Of course, my dad died the next day, and I wrote Rich Maldi a letter, and I talked about how inspired I was by his situation, and you know, I was kind of looking for you know, where do I go from here. He wrote me back in just wow. amazing letter. I wish I'd have kept it, but it, I never forgot it. <clears throat> I've, been, I've been a big, huge Saints fan since I can, Absolutely. I can remember. So I'm not a big baseball fan. I do enjoy watching the Atlanta Braves from time to time, but... But boy, I'm a big Saints fan, and if I had an opportunity to do what you did with the Saints, I would feel the same. Absolutely, way. you know, it was a dream come true, no doubt about it. So, actually, tell me about the the Gulf Coast Business Council. We're going to get into the details in a minute. Sure. But what is it? What for for listeners who don't know? Well, you know, it's it's an interesting organization. The the sort of precursors to the Business Council go back to the 1970s when uh, chief executives from the large employers across the coast would get together at Mary Mahoney's once a month. Mm-hmm. And they'd have lunch together, and they'd talk about commonalities, things that they needed to see happen, uh, places that they had uh, common interests, and uh, you know, and and that sort of uh, kept going for decades. And uh, of course, when Katrina made landfall in two thousand and five, uh, Anthony Tapazzi, who was chairman of Mississippi Power Company at that time, you know, really decided that the, there was a need to formalize that structure and to staff it and mm-hmm. to. Uh, create an organization that was founded by business leaders, but also included community leaders and other stakeholders in, on the coast that would go out and really uh, be that advocacy arm to make sure that the coast got what it needed. Uh, you know, the business councils evolved a lot since Katrina because, you know, the, the need for uh, work dealing directly with Katrina recovery isn't there anymore. And so we really transformed into an organization that is really advocating for uh, for the initiatives, uh, the public policy that will ultimately lead to transformation in our economy. Yeah. And so in some ways it's actually become a, a bigger, uh, a bigger mission, but I'll tell you, you know, in many ways, I think the business council is more important today than it's ever been after Katrina. Everyone knew what the needs were and right. everyone was motivated. <clears throat> yeah. And as we get farther away from it, yeah. That, that begins to start to cool down a bit. So, so we'll talk about that as we get into the conversation. Um, so where did you grow up? I grew up in Petal, Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah, just 75 miles or so to the north. Uh, actually born in Hattiesburg, and uh, my, my dad was a police officer, Hattiesburg Police Department. And uh, my mom worked out at the Georgia Pacific uh, Leaf River Mill out in New Augusta. So they decided Petal was a good middle ground, and we moved there in 1985. I went to school 
every day of my life at pedal schools, you know, top ranked school district in the state back in those days, still, so, still so very high ranked. So Southern Miss was in your DNA. Oh yeah. You know, it was, it was the home team. No <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. And then from there you went to Tulane? Went from, yeah, Southern Miss, Tulane, uh, went back to Southern <clears throat> Miss, got, uh, got my master's degree there in economic development. Uh, now I'm actually doing post-grad studies at Harvard. So it's, uh, you know, I've, I, I've, I've always liked the academic side and I like the, the piece of continuing to learn. I told my wife the other day that I hope she'll hit me in the head with a hammer or the next time I decide to uh, go uh, to go get another postgrad program started. It's uh, there's not enough hours in the day. I'm no, sure you I, know. I can imagine. Yeah. But, I, you know, I like I, I like people like you. I, I feel the same way about life. That is, the more we learn, the more we better learn how much we don't know that that process of being, you know, understanding what we don't know keeps us wanting to know more. Absolutely. Keeps us humble. Uh, and you've certainly done that. So what is it that introduced you to the Katrina recovery effort? Well, you know, it's really interesting uh, how I got there. Uh, probably the most non-traditional sort of path into that. But uh, I actually started out my career in journalism. And uh, I was a business and political writer for three small weekly publications up in the Hattiesburg metro area, Times of South Mississippi, the Pedal News, and the Advertiser, Bob Pittman, uh, was the former head of the MEC for like 32 years. He, he retired and got into the newspaper business. He hired me. And uh, when Katrina hit, he wanted to write the first book to get on the, to, to be published after the storm. So he, uh, he asked me if I would write the book. And it was called August 29th Katrina. It was published in late September of 05. So when you read it today, uh, it's such an uncom- incomplete uh, right. you know, biography of what happened. It's only got about a month worth of the post-disaster world in it. But in doing that, I got uh, really got really face-to-face with a number of the, the, the leaders, the thought leaders that were working with Katrina and, uh, you know, Gavin Smith at the time who came down. You remember Gavin very oh, well. Yeah. And Gavin uh, called me one day and said, look, we'd like to, we'd like to consider bringing you on to staff here. We're, we're going to create an office of recovery. And, uh, we, you know, you, you understand a lot about the federal recovery framework. You've been writing about it. And, uh, you know, we don't have that sort of uh, institutional knowledge here in Mississippi. And so right now, you know, as much as, as anyone out there working. So we'd love to, to bring you on. And the rest was, you know, sort of history after that. Wow, that's incredible. We're, we're going we're gonna to continue this discussion as it relates to Katrina after sure. the break. But what was your first role? So my first role when I first came in, uh, it was going to be a, to be a staffer on the coast. I was going to be directly involved with mm-hmm. uh, the cities and the counties, uh, local organizations. And so I was based here uh, on the ground. Uh, first office was over in the transitional recovery office there at what was left of the convention center. Keep, keep going. So it was, uh, you know, it, it was an interesting, you know, I remember those 18-hour days in the early days. Um, you know, we still had 20-foot uh, tall debris piles everywhere. I mean, you know, it's it just uh, it's amazing how far we've come. But uh, my, my role expanded. Uh, eventually became the director of the office of recovery and Stayed on with Governor Barber throughout his tenure. Stayed on for Governor Bryant for a few years. So it's been a great several so, years. So what I want to do when we come back from the break, we'll pick it up from there. I want to hear about the kind of things you were involved in as you as you sure. took on leadership roles for the state in that effort. And then ultimately, what brought you over to Hancock County? And let's tell people what you did there. Absolutely. So I look forward to continuing this conversation with Ashley Edwards, the president and CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council, after this break.
When you need to pick up a last-minute birthday card or gift, stop into Love's Pharmacy and Gifts in Pass Christiane. Yes, Love's is a full-service pharmacy, combining local hospitality and affordability. When half of the store has unique gifts, beautiful decorations for your home, fragrances, and free gift wrapping, you only have to make one stop. Love's Pharmacy and Gifts, 12345 Vidalia Road in Pass Christiane. If you love great service with a smile, you'll love Love's Pharmacy, with a second location now open in Ocean Springs. Hi, Saver. Walgreens here. We like the way you save. Take coffee. You know it doesn't have to cost $4 a cup, so you make your own. And co-pays on Medicare Part D. You save up to $5 and get 100 balance rewards points on each prescription when Walgreens is your preferred pharmacy. Save smartly on MedD. Walgreens, trusted since 1901. Copay savings on Tier 1 generic drugs available through select plans that include Walgreens as a preferred pharmacy. Points cannot be earned in Arkansas, New Jersey, or New York. Complete details at Walgreens.com balance. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company helps you customize your home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Unlike things you paid for you didn't need, like that much-needed 125-inch flat-screen TV. It's hurting my eyes. A lot. For your 100-square-foot bedroom. My neck isn't so much stiff as it's completely stuck. With Liberty Mutual, get customized home insurance so you only pay for what you need. Uh Uh-oh, I'm seeing color splotches. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Since 1950, when you needed help and advice from an experienced attorney, you turned to Boyce Holloman and Associates. Standing on the principles of experience, integrity, and results, Boyce Holloman and Associates can help you and your family with a variety of legal matters. When you come to Boyce Holloman and Associates of Gulfport, every client, every case, gets the level of service from attorneys and staff who honor the legacy of Boyce Holloman's tradition of excellence. See Dean and Tim Holloman at Boyce Holloman and Associates, 1720 2013 Avenue, Gulfport. Ugh, I've got to get that fixed. Uneven driveways causing headaches? Helms Polyfoam will fix it without tearing up your driveway in the process. We inject polyfoam under settled concrete to stabilize it in a matter of minutes, not days. Polyfoam is used on runways, railways, and highways, so there is no question it will support your driveway. We also repair seawalls, sidewalks, pond dams, retaining walls, and unstable soil. Visit HelmsPolyfoam.com or call Helms Polyfoam at 601-966-7821. His love for the coast is why He's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back. We've got Ashley Edwards, the uh, president and CEO of the Gulf Coast Business Council. And where we were at the end of the break, we were talking about Katrina and a role that he had the opportunity to play for the state. And he learned a lot in that role. We're going to hear more about that. And then he transitioned into a new role in Hancock County. So take us on that journey, Ashley. Well, you know, Ricky, you, you had a front row seat, uh, maybe as much as anybody, to, to what was going on in those days. And I like to tell people, and it, it really is true, everyone has their own Katrina experience. I was very fortunate to get to see Governor Barber's leadership firsthand, as, as did you. You know, he, he was committed to making sure that we had the most comprehensive, innovative recovery effort in the history of disasters. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, we, we set a bar for how to do post-disaster recovery here, and, you know, my job really was trying to convene resources around needs. And so, uh, you know, unlike a lot of disasters where it was a sort of a federal-led process, we wanted to make sure that we could leverage all the different funding sources, all the different resources that are out there, both locally, federally, from the state perspective, to put a strategy in place that would allow us to come back. And mm-hmm. everyone had the, they had the example of what happened after Camille 
And, you know, when Katrina hit, we really had not fully recovered from Camille from yeah. 1969. Yeah. And we didn't want it to be the same way uh, with, with Hurricane Katrina. And so, you know, we did things after Hurricane Katrina that were first of their kind. They had never been done before in the history of disaster recovery in the United States. We really, uh, in many ways, wrote that book. And, you know, we're recognized, Office of Management and Budget, you know, uh, actually did some some really interesting recognition about the innovative way we approached it. But, uh, you know, primarily what I did was we would we would go and work with the local applicants. Uh, we sort of served as ombudsman almost with between all of the federal agencies, the state agencies involved, uh, to make sure that there weren't roadblocks, to make sure things were happening. Uh, in many cases, we had to we had to throw down some gauntlets and challenge things, mm-hmm. especially federally. Uh, but ultimately, we were rel- we were very successful in what we did, and and we were, you know, our, our pace of recovery was when when you compare it to what happened in Louisiana, for mm-hmm, example, mm-hmm. Uh, we were light years ahead in in terms of getting things done. And uh, you know, there's so many things you look back and say, you know, if I knew then what I know now, we could have done so much better. But when you think, you know, people think about recovery, and for our listeners, most of them were here during that time. It's not just about cleaning up debris no. and getting people back in their homes, but you know, rebuilding the infrastructure so that it will withstand the next storm better, so that we won't be in that situation again. And and redefining the relationship between local government, state government, and the federal government Absolutely. in a way that allows you to have a, a much smoother transition of recovery in the future than you had this time. But you're, you're right. So many new programs are being put in place. So many new relationships are being developed. And hopefully we'll leverage those next time. Do you believe we will? I think so. You know, I, one of the things that bothers me, or I should say worries me a little bit, is that a lot of that institutional knowledge from Katrina has now moved on. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but I, you know, but I do think that uh, should something like that happen again, and chances are it will, yeah. um, we'll keep our fingers crossed. It won't be soon. But should something like that happen again, I think that there we will certainly have a lot more expertise to, to rely So how on. old were you when you were thrust into that role? 25. 25 yeah, years old. You hear that now. 25, that's why I call them young leaders of the storm, yeah. 25 years old. So from that effort, though, an opportunity became available for you in sure. Hancock County. Tell, talk about that. Well, you know, I, I had uh, I had gone to uh, get my master's degree in economic development, uh, saw that as something that I would like to make a career in eventually. And uh, I was working in Governor Bryant's office, closing out recovery, uh, closing out our recovery programs, and uh, was actually asked to come and interview there for the job as the CEO of the Hancock County Port and Harbor Commission which is a really big agency there, entirely self-funded off their operations, not, doesn't take any tax money uh, locally, and, and really is responsible for managing a port, an airport, uh, and an economic development authority that oversees an, an entire county and Stennis Space Center, which are critical pieces of our state economy. And so uh, it, it, was a big, it was a big leap. Uh, amazing experience. Wouldn't have traded it for the world. Yeah. So you learned a lot. You know, I've often said, you know, I've said it over and over again, you've got Ingalls and, Sh- and Chevron on one end of the coast, and you've got Hancock County and all that it's got, with especially Stennis on one end. Those are the ultimate economic bookends yes. for all the stuff that's happening inside of that. But you actually got to see, people don't know what the heck is going on in Hancock County. Right. It's important, isn't it? It's, it's extremely important. Um, you know, I used to give speeches when I was there. I would talk about the products that are made in Hancock County products that we interact with every day, everything from water bottles that we drink out of up to the satellites that send radio signals and, and signals to our, our cell phones. Wow. Now, those are all done there in Hancock County. Uh, Hancock County is is a huge cog in the wheel of our world economy. Uh, it, so it's, it's really amazing. Uh, automotive uh, polymers and advanced materials that 
you know, in some cases are in every Ford and Chevrolet that, that, that are produced. They're coming right out of Port Bienville in Hancock County. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's really sad that it's sort of the best-kept secret in Mississippi. I think the current leadership there is doing a tremendous job to change that. But yeah. uh, I think Hancock County's got a trajectory that uh, it could eventually become one of the most, if not the most important county in the state of Mississippi, considering the, uh, the space economy, the tech economy, the aerospace economy, and, and the fact that they've got an infrastructure there to do some things that, uh, that really could be transformational for Mississippi. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm really excited about the leadership in, in Hancock County. I had Tish Williams on recently. Sure. I've got Bill Quark, your successor, coming on yes, in, a, great. in a couple of weeks. So it's going to be, I think, a terrific conversation. And help people continue to learn what's going on in these other counties yes. that are so significant to this overall region to build this, strength, this strong region. So as you've sort of, sort of gone through this, this journey, you've begun to develop some thought about, you know, the changing economy and how it affects coastal Mississippi. What's your thoughts about that? Well, you know, economic development is is a fascination of mine. Um, you know, I'm I'm sort of a geek uh, for ec- economics at at heart. And uh, you know, it's it's interesting because you look at the way that economic developments occurred in the United States and especially in the South into the 90s and the 2000s. You know, we you see in the 60s, 70s, 80s, people uh, that were just hemorrhaging from downtown centers: Atlanta, Nashville, Memphis. Birmingham, folks moving out to the suburbs, and uh, you know those suburbs became real centers for economic growth, and that's where, in you know, manufacturing and industrial operations went. Uh, that's where you know companies started, office buildings, things of that nature. And um, you know there was a playbook in the late 1990s, mid 1990s, when we were very successful in the automotive uh, recruitment, uh, very successful in supplier recruitment, things here. Many ways, the the South was the, the the premier destination for new manufacturing in America, and uh, you know I would suggest to you we have seen a revolutionary shift over the last five or ten years that is only going to continue. In that uh, there's a big change occurring. I mean, you look at Atlanta, Nashville, people are leaving the suburbs and droves, moving back down to the city centers. Uh, folks are not building a lot of new manufacturing mm-hmm. operations. They're trying to figure out how to automate and make more efficient the ones they already have. <laughs> and now, for the first time in history, the creative economy has become uh, the new leading wealth producer in the United States, wow. uh, driven in a large part by the millennials. Uh, you know, so you know the baby boomers were the largest single cohort of the U.S. population back mm-hmm. in the '80s, '90s. They were entering their peak earning years. Uh, they were moving to the suburbs, and they were, you know, that we had suburban sprawl, but that's what we wanted. They wanted to load up in their suburban, go to the multiplex on the weekends at the at the mall, things of that nature. And uh, the millennials are are changing the way that our economy works. And you know, you look 10, 15 years out, we have to be able to change with that if we're going to be able to be in a sustainable situation. You know, it's interesting, Andrea Stwani, who we all got to know so yes. well after Hurricane Katrina during the Charrettes, um, You know, his work with the New Urbanist. Uh, it's been around for a while, but it's so interesting how it's coming back full circle again, that people want to live, work, and play, you know, in a close proximity. They like the downtown life. And you see, look what's happening in Guffhorn, and look what's, you you see that the seed has been planted in in Biloxi as well, and you look at Ocean Springs, and you see what's happening in Bay St. Louis. There's a, we have the makings of these collection of communities that could really be the creative class in ways that we don't fully understand. At this time. Yeah, in some ways, I think we have a better chance here on the coast than any other region in Mississippi. I mean, we, we could be primed to be the next big growth center. 
Uh, but we've got to find those catalysts because we've not we've not been able to really capture that that market. And um, so, when you talk about a catalyst, though, what do you t- talk about? What you mean by that? Well, you know, I think what we're seeing uh, the big changes we're seeing. I mean, take Nashville for example. Uh, great story in Nashville. Every time you go up there and visit, they talk about it. Late nineteen, or excuse me, early nineteen nineties. Wall Street Journal did an article and talked about how Nashville could be the first great American city to go under. They were really in bad shape. The business community there got together and said, we've got to do something to reverse that. Uh, fast forward now to 2020, they, have, they are now ranked number one in American economic strength rankings. They lead the nation in corporate relocations. All of that was done really in terms of investing in the things that would attract human capital and talent. And that's the big shift we've seen, Ricky, because, uh, you know, we, we – came up in a time economically when people would go where the jobs were. If good jobs were created, people would relocate to those jobs. Yeah, That is not the case anymore. That, that world has left us. And mm-hmm. today, jobs go where the people are. They go where the talent is. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the folks that are doing it right, the folks that are quantifiably successful, are putting their investment in attracting talent, uh, whether that's through downtown development, mixed-use development, combining residential, commercial, retail, uh, creating fun quality of life, high quality of place. Those are really the keys, and we can do that here on the coast maybe better than any other place in the state. Yeah, we'll pick that up when we come back. You know, when people think of Nashville, but who, especially those who have not been there for a while, they think of music. But at the end of the day, the music part of their overall economy is really a small flight. Very but small. The bigger st- story is what they've done to diversify their economy and really build on the creative class. And if you've been to Nashville lately, which uh, I have a, a brother-in-law who owns a store there, owns a restaurant there, it is exploding, literally Absolutely. exploding. It's incredible what's happening there. Well, we could have explosion here too, can't we? We could, yes. So after this break, we'll continue our conversation with Ashley Edwards, who is the CEO and president of the Gulf Coast Business Council. I'm Evan Brown. Could it be that after more mass shootings, more people will want so-called red flag laws aimed at taking firearms from mentally unstable people? People that are insane, people that are sick up here, I don't want them to be able to get a gun. President Trump likes the idea on its face, as if now nobody with documented mental illness or aggression issues would get flagged in a background check. In addition, the same individual may not have any records that rise to the level of commitment or adjudication. Adeline Alchin's group supports red flag laws, but what could stop someone from trying to take your guns away just because they don't like you? Amy Swear with the Heritage Foundation. When properly constructed to afford robust due process protections, red flag laws may provide an important mechanism for intervention with regard to both suicides and mass public shootings. And those are your bullet points. I'm Evan Brown, Fox News. Everyone in my family uses electricity differently. But when it comes to our Touchstone Energy Cooperative, we all think about it the same way. The co-op is power. power. Sure, electricity turns the lights on, but power is the information I get from my co-op about efficiency, safety, technology, and I trust the co-op because we are the co-op. They're our neighbors. Our friends. Our home. Brought to you by Coast Electric and Singing River Electric, your Touchstone Energy Cooperatives. Hello, friends. January 2020 is now here, and at Mandel Buick GMC, we've decided to start this year off with incredible savings and offers like never before. GMC is one of the fastest-growing truck segments in America. And right now, you can save up to 30% on a new GMC Sierra four-door truck. Our SUV lineup is as strong as ever. 
Did you know that GMC offers the Terrain, the Acadia, and the Yukon, which all have incredible savings for the month of January at Mandel Buick GMC? These SUVs start at 25% off. Buick is also one of the fastest growing SUV segments in America. At Mandel Buick GMC, we now offer three different SUV options. The Buick Encore, Envision, and Enclave. Buick has done an amazing job at offering affordable luxury. These three SUVs start at 25% off. No matter if you're looking for a truck, SUV, or a certified pre-owned vehicle, stop by today and see how we take guest services and hospitality to the next level. Remember, at Mandel Buick GMC, we have no salespeople. We put the commission in your pocket. Does climbing the flight of stairs to your elevated home make your joints ache? Need an outdoor elevator for your home or business? ELS Lifts provides residential, commercial, and cargo lifts designed to withstand the harsh coastal environment to simplify your elevated living needs. Every ELS lift is fabricated with marine-grade aluminum using stainless cables and hardware. Available for beach homes, commercial buildings, barns, and even houseboats. Call 888-990-LIFT or visit ELSLifts.com. So you probably already know, Adventures Pub and Spirits has won awards for local favorites hangout on the coast and best bar on the coast, but you may not know that Adventures also features an excellent lunch special menu Monday through Friday. Homemade lasagna, burgundy beef tips, chicken fried steak, shrimp creole, and more for only $8.95. Oh, my personal favorite, the seafood pie loaded up. Lump crab meat, shrimp and cheese, baked in a flaky pie crust. Adventures Pub and Spirits, one block north of the Hard Rock, next door to City Hall on Lemuse. What would you do with extra cash? Take a bucket list vacation? Put in a pool? Pay off high interest debt? Why not let the equity in your home pay you back for all the years you've paid into it? With Keesler Federal Credit Union's low-rate home equity loan or line of credit, you'll have the freedom and flexibility to do whatever matters most to you. Apply today at kfcu.org. Available on primary residence only in Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, and Florida. Membership and credit eligibility required. Equal housing lender. NMLS number 408911. In the house, none other than the executive director of MDA, Glenn McCullough. No less than CNBC last week said Mississippi is taking the lead along with North Carolina, uh, I think in Montana and Rhode Island. They mentioned Ingalls Shipbuilding and the integration of young students into the workplace was with the Toyota Wellspring Fund uh, with the principal from New Albany High School. He said our 10th graders right now work on equipment that's in the Toyota Corolla assembly plant in Blue Springs, and they are so energized and excited, they cannot wait to go to work and assemble automobiles. All of our work on drones, all Absolutely. of our work on uh, building helicopters, the our UAPs, radar systems that's in right. forests, that's right. automobile entry, there's Aerospace. a lot of good things going on that you only hear here because most of the media out there would not tell you. That. We tune into the Paul Gallo Show, Super Talk Mississippi. I'll use that as a promo. Thank you, sir. <laughs> From the Gallo Archives. The Mississippi Power Weather Center. Your weather now. Now. Partly sunny today with a high near 63 tonight. Looking at mostly cloudy skies, 60% chance of overnight showers, the low near 50. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, 70% chance of rain before lunchtime, high near 60. A 20% chance of early showers tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, lows in the mid-40s. Visit MississippiPower.com slash ways to save to learn about programs and resources that can help you save energy and money on your electric bill. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
So welcome back to Coast View. We've got Ashley Edwards, the CEO and president of the Gulf Coast Business Council. And when we went to break, we were talking about opportunities for uh, taking advantage of what we know the trends are in America as it relates to the local economy. We talked about Nashville and how they've done an amazing job of diversifying and building a plan, a strategic plan that really focuses on the creative class. So when you think about the coast, Ashley, and the vision, your vision for how it might look, what, what, what do you think about? Well, you know, let me start by saying when we say creative class for people that aren't familiar with that term, they think, well, are you talking about artists and musicians? And that's certainly included, but we're also talking about engineers and architects and folks that are creating apps and designing new technology. And so yeah. creative class really is, is an encompassing term. My vision would be one where we, we really take advantage of the niches that we already have. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the single greatest thing about the Gulf Coast is we've got the, uh, we've got the water right out there in front of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there, there are new technologies that are emerging every day uh, having to do with the oceans. Uh, there is a real need to study the Gulf of Mexico and to, to learn about it. And as a result of that, we've got an opportunity there to really become a center of excellence for folks that are going to be involved in ocean science and ocean technology and ocean engineering to get those folks here to couple that with federal agencies. I would, I would love to see, Ricky, a, uh, a, a big federal research laboratory based here mm-hmm. uh, and then allow that to kind of become that critical mass or that center of gravity that brings in entrepreneurs, that bring in companies that want to have that co-location with uh, that level of thought leadership that's going on. And so you know, I think that there are really some innovative ways we go about it. You add to that then reinvigorating our downtowns, putting the type of quality of place developments that make people want to come here. Mm-hmm. I'm also really big on the idea of remote mm-hmm. workers. You know, yeah. a, a, such a large percentage of our population now can live anywhere and work remotely. Mm-hmm. Tulsa actually put a program in place to attract remote workers. Uh, I think they put a put up $10,000 uh, incentives to bring remote workers in. They had 100 slots open the first year, which was last year. They had 10,000 applicants wow, for that. That's incredible. And, uh, you know, given our relatively low cost of living here and mm-hmm. high quality of life, that's a place that we have a real natural niche and a, a huge competitive advantage. And so if we get really innovative about the way we go about it and we're willing to think outside the box, we're willing to do first of their kind things that could get national attention, I think the coast could solidify itself as one of the coolest most innovative new regions really in the country. See, when I think about the creative class, and you're right, I'm glad you defined it that way. What, what the image in my head are young, smart, bright, creative entrepreneurs yes. that need an environment around them that can help them be successful. So they may have a great idea, but they need help in, in really em- having that idea emerge in a way that can be marketable and successful. I think also, you know, we've we've had this conversation before. You got the state port of Gulfport down there. You've got these. You've got the emergence of some ocean-focused kind of organizations that are there. The proximity of that to downtown Gulfport and the restaurants and the opportunity to build even more, you know, um, condominiums or apartments or whatever they are, so that you just ha- you literally br- you bring life to a, yes. to a to a region as a result of something like this. That's 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 super exciting. So let's shift gears, though. Let's talk a little bit about the Gulf Coast Business Council and sure. what you guys are up to these days. Well, you know, so our, our big push the last several years really started with trying to secure the BP Economic Damage Settlement Funds that the legislature had under their control to, to make sure that those would be spent on the coast. 
because that was in in great doubt, as you know, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we partnered with a lot of folks across the coast. Uh, we all had a, a common goal there, and mm-hmm. really put together a big partnership, the Chambers of Commerce, other organizations, uh, and and worked for several years on making sure we get that done. And with the help of of Governor Bryant, and then at that time Lieutenant Governor Reeves and, and Speaker Gunn, we were able to do that. And uh, you know, so it's really let's get the let's make sure the resources are in place and that they will be spent here, and then let's go about making sure that they're spent wisely, that we can see a good return on our investment, that we don't squander them, and that's really where our focus has started to shift. And so we want to try to continue to put into place the strategy for making sure that we can not only invest those funds but leverage all the other funding sources. And I'll, I'll just give you something quick that I think is interesting, uh, Ricky, and it's, you know, when you look at Hurricane Katrina recovery, we had unprecedented resources flowing in here. About $5.5 billion in grant funding that came in, uh, but about $3.5 billion of that was spent just to restore housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so about the $2 billion that was left what did everything else we see across the coast. You look over the course of the next 15 years, We've got about $2 billion coming to the coast as a result of the oil spill and some of these other associated programs. So wow. we have a Katrina-like opportunity yeah. now to invest. But the difference is then we had to just we had to lay the groundwork back in place. We had to get everything, roads, infrastructure. We got that in place now. So the ability to invest that money wisely and really transform this coast for generations is is upon us. So there's a lot so there's a lot of rigor. A lot of rigor is yes. being put in place to make sure that the the selection criteria for the projects are based on return and may, yes. based on which one is going to going to going to pay back the most over the longest period of time. How, how are you how are you looking at that? Well, you know, I think that's exactly it. I mean, you know, we hear about benefit cost analysis and things like that and sort of fe- federal regulatory programs. And, you know, these are these are kind of words. But what it means here is if we're going to spend a dollar, how do we ensure that we can get 10 back? Mm-hmm. rather than taking a one-time dollar and spending it and then having something that's just going to cost us money to maintain over time. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a change of thinking, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, ultimately that's what investments should do. They should create returns that are bigger than the initial investment. And if we will look at every project that way, and there, there can be a diversity of projects. There are lots, lots of things that can create a return on investment. But I think what we all have to ask ourselves on the coast is, is what we're preparing to do here likely to bring new capital, new talent, new tax revenue in as a result of what we're doing. And if the answer to that is no, or we're not sure, then maybe we ought to think about something that would do that instead. And so that's really a, you know, that's a very simple way to take a very complex thing and put it in place. But that's the focus of the business council right now. And we want to be a a real thought leader uh, Mm -hmm. and making sure that those things are happening. And we want to provide the assistance folks need to make sure that we can do it. So the the common themes through all of the conversation that we're having is that we can never have enough leaders who get the big picture, who understand how the dots connect in this region. How important is that? It's, I think it's probably the most important thing that we can possibly do next to making sure that we're making strategic investments. You know, the other I would say if you had a sort of a side A and a side B to the business council, the first, the side A is what we just talked about. Side B is really that cultivation of new leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've got, we're, we're real blessed here on the coast. We have some amazing business leaders. Our chairman, Anthony Wilson is, is, is incredible. Our past chairman, John Harrison, absolutely incredible. Uh, we've got a great executive committee. A lot of CEOs are involved in that, but you know, we have to be, we have to be pragmatic about the fact that their careers are, you know, they're going to be retiring in, in the next 10 years in many cases. 
So we've got to have the next Anthony Wilsons and the next John Harrisons ready to take up the the mantle and run with it. And um, and so we do a lot of things in the business council, our master's leadership program, our community leadership program, uh, under the the broad umbrella of our Anthony Tapazzi Leadership Institute to take those emerging leaders across the coast and not only have them learn about the place they live, but to also think really critically about it and then to begin to do. Mm-hmm. Experiential learning. Yeah, absolutely. So, so important. I mean, it, it seems the there's this common theme in all the leaders that we're talking to is that you got to get it's best to get young people out early. Yes. Let them go out and, and volunteer in certain organizations. Let them, let them, you know, understand how that organization works. Let them make some mistakes along the way. That's how they learn. And then, then let them lead that organization. Then let them go to a different organization and lead that organization. And then start to really gather uh, some knowledge about what it takes to lead at the regional level. And as they say, you got to do your reps. You know, you Aunt Jerry St. Pay said, "You just don't come in and start lifting two hundred pounds. Right? You gotta, you gotta start. You know, with not so much weight. And um, and so I, I love the the efforts with the Coast uh, Business Council, the the chambers. They're all all focused on trying to bring leaders along. But when you get to these heavy issues like we're talking about now, it's important to have leaders that get the big picture, isn't it? Yeah, and it's regional thinking. I mean, it's uh, we give a lot of lip service to that here on the coast, and I, I don't say that to be derogatory, but uh, you know, sometimes we have to be a little bit of accountable to ourselves and say, are, are we really acting regionally here? Yeah. Because everybody in America that's doing it right and being successful is doing it regionally. <clears throat> yeah. And if if we look at ourselves really critically and we say uh, maybe we're not doing as well as we should. That's another place we've got to continue to improve. I mean, continuous improvement's always important. Roland, the conversation I had with Roland Weeks was fascinating because we went back way back. Yeah. And, you know, 50 years back about how the, the communities acted after Katrina. Some got the big picture, some didn't, but they sort of all kind of went back to thinking in their community way. And that's important. You have to be able to do that. You have to respect the diversity that exists in each of the communities while at the same time having the bigger picture, because that's what makes this place so special. It's, it's ha- having this diversity, having these wonderful communities that collectively make up the region of the Gulf Coast. That's, I think we've made so much progress in that area. We have. But, but it's a lot to learn. It's a lot to learn for leaders to really get that. For, 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 so you have a leader in Hancock County saying, you know what, that might be best for Han- Harrison County at this yes. stage. Instead of saying, it's got to be Hancock, it's got to be Jackson County. It's, that's a whole new way of thinking. Um, after this break, we're going to continue the conversation, and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the BP oil spill. We'll, uh, we'll talk about what's next for the Business Council and um, maybe a little bit more about leadership. So after this break, we'll continue our conversation with Ashley Edwards, the CEO and president of the Gulf Coast Business Council. See you after this break. Sometimes the issues of life require the assistance of a professional. Whether it involves an asbestos-related disease such as mesothelioma, personal injury from an accident, a real estate issue, or even an impending arrest charge, you need the help of an attorney. Cumbest, Cumbest, Hunter, and McCormick have more than 100 years combined experience representing the interests of Jackson County and Gulf Coast clients. Cumbest, Cumbest, Hunter, and McCormick. Proud to support the Ole Miss Rebels. 762-5422. CCHMLawyers.com. 
Summer days, winter nights, my heating and air ain't working right. Before my troubles get any worse, I'll pick up the phone and sing this verse. Barnes, oh Barnes, won't you help me? Barnes Heating and Air. Hello, Barnes Heating and Air. Barnes Heating and Air, 832-9457. 832-9457. Well, New Year's resolutions are great, but we don't need one to keep having the largest selection of beer in Mississippi, along with the best selection of CBD, herbal products, and smoking accessories. Double shop. Double Shop has been doing this since 2012 and perfecting it even more every year. Original home to the mix and match six pack. Now, Double Shop has the best quality CBD and herbal products for feel good quality of life, plus a great selection of wine, liquors, especially high end bourbons, and party supplies that help celebrate life so you don't have to stick to your New Year's resolutions. Double Shop will do it for you. And sign up for the free Double Shop loyalty program. Start collecting stars with your very first purchase. Enrollment is free and easy. Get signed up today. Double Shop, 50 yards north of exit 50 on the right-hand side. And like Double Shop on Facebook. So don't worry about sticking to your New Year's resolution. Double Shop will do it for you. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Sidewalk side or neutral ground side. It doesn't matter if you can't fit everyone in the car on parade night. And don't forget to make space for throws. Visit Baldwin Subaru in Covington, and we'll show you how the Subaru Ascent is a Mardi Gras game changer. With 19 cup holders, there's spots for everyone's go cup. And room for eight means grandma won't have to compete with your beads for the last seat. Whether you're a sidewalk Cider or a neutral ground cider, Baldwin Subaru has the parade vehicle for you. When you need to pick up a last-minute birthday card or gift, stop into Love's Pharmacy and Gifts in Pass Christiane. Yes, Love's is a full-service pharmacy combining local hospitality and affordability. When half of the store has unique gifts, beautiful decorations for your home, fragrances, and free gift wrapping, you only have to make one stop. Love's Pharmacy and Gifts, 12345 Vidalia Road in Pass Christiane. If you love great service with a smile, You'll love Love's Pharmacy, with a second location now open in Ocean Springs. From the Gallo Archives. In the House, first time since 2014 Senate race, Chris McDaniel. Looking back on the election in 2014, if Chris McDaniel had not so vehemently rejected the result after the election and marched on, you would today be a viable candidate, either for lieutenant governor or for governor. I thought what occurred there was beyond the pale. They called me a Klansman. They called me a racist. They called me the most despicable things in the world. And we know good and well there were crossover votes that occurred, and the evidence was strong. You ever talk to Thad Cochran after that? I tried on several occasions. Oh, is that right? You know, he, he never did return my call. And I always wanted him to know that I respected him as an individual. And, and But the disagreements didn't change that respect that I had for him. Are you looking forward to the next session? Uh, yes, sir, very much so. It's the first time in some time I'm not going to be in timeout. The powers that be have a way of punishing if you step out of line, so to speak. You know that. I know that because George Flags <laughs> taught me that. <laughs> right, so. From the Gallo Archives. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back. We've got Ashley Edwards, the CEO and president of the Gulf Coast Business Council. And we just had a fascinating conversation about his journey, uh, getting involved as a young 20-something-year-old, 25, I think he said, involved in the Katrina effort. And then he just emerged um, to be now the, in his current role. But what we were talking about, um, Ashley, offline, let's, let's, let's tee this up. 
one of the things that Roland and I talked about was back in the day, it was so hard to find one voice on common issues. Yes. We talked about that for so many years. And these organizations that existed before Katrina, we talked about it, but we just had a hard time getting there. But today, actually, we, we can find those common issues. We can speak with one voice. Roland said that it was a one, there was a point in our history when Jackson literally didn't have to pay attention to us because we were so busy arguing amongst ourselves right. that we nullified our voices. And he said they literally laughed at us. He said, y'all need to figure this out and come to us with a common approach. Um, but I said to Roland, they're not laughing at us now, right. are they, Ashley? That's right. And, I and mean, why is that? Why aren't they? Well, you know, look, I, I think that what we're starting to figure out here is sort of an absolute truth. And it always has been an absolute truth. And that is, if something happens that's good for one of the communities here on the coast, it's going to be good for everybody. There's nothing good that's going to happen for one of us that's going to hurt another one. Yes. And we're starting to figure that out, I think. And mm-hmm. so with that understanding, you're seeing a lot more broad support for initiatives in one place. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we know that we've got to have some population centers down here, some commerce centers down here that are going to drive things. You know, take Gulfport, for example. Gulfport is, is, is really a center of activity. It's a critical mass. A place like Long Beach and Pascrishan, which are bedroom communities for Gulfport. If Gulfport grows, if Gulfport's successful, Long Beach and Pascrishan are going to see tremendous results as a result of that. Yes. And mm-hmm. so um, as, as we continue to learn that, and I wouldn't go as far as saying we, we always get it right, but, yeah. but it's uh, not perfect. It's, it's never going to be perfect. No, but yeah. there's, there's continuous improvement, but it's, it's important. And, you know, I think I, Roland and I have had that conversation many times. Roland Weeks is, is quite a great mentor as, as you know, and, uh, you know, he, he has the long view. He's been yeah. doing it for so long and he sees what we're doing today. But, you know, one of the things I like about talking to Roland is when I get frustrated or when I say, wow, you know, this is, this is too difficult sometimes. He says, if you just knew how far we've really come mm. since the those early days, and he can put it that in perspective. That perspective is important sometimes. We really have made a lot of progress. We, we have. Uh, I think uh, Katrina Katrina helped in this. You know, there's a lot of gold nuggets, as Chief Papania says, even in adverse situations. And in the case of Katrina, one of the gold nuggets was that because we were down, it impacted the state. And so everyone for a period of time was so aware that if we don't get the coast back up and running, it's going to affect the rest of the state in ways we don't even imagine. The BP oil spill did the same thing. And in some respects, that was sort of the predicate for the opening of the Bonnie Carey Spillway. Again, it didn't. we didn't have to fight so much to get people's attention around that. We, we knew people have begun to get educated about how important the coast was. Largest industrial employer in, in Ingalls and you know, what you see what's happening at Stennis and all the tourism and the contribution tourism makes right. to the state. Um, none of that can be overstated, can it? No, it, it, it can't be. In fact, I, you know, I'll, I'll say we had some consultants in this past summer uh, that do work across the country. I mean, they're world-renowned consultants. And uh, we were sitting at lunch one day, and they looked at me and said, you know, Ashley, it's amazing when we consider the fact that there probably is no region in America that has had to deal with more, uh, with, with more bad, with more disasters, whether it's the Katrina, you know, the one, two, three hit of Katrina, the Great Recession, the oil spill, there's no other place in America to deal with that right. in, in succession the way we did. And then you add the Bonnie Carey things that happened last year. So the fact that we've done as well as we have is, is kind of amazing when you consider it. There are a lot of places that would have folded up, and, there, there and we've not. And we're, we're still going strong. We're still pushing forward. And so it's, it's, it's hard for those of us that love it here, and, and we see the struggles that we have to go through to grow. But 
it, it's going to pay off. I'm, I'm really, I'm very, very, uh, I'm very confident about that. When you talk about the economic situation that followed Katrina, um, I mean, most people don't realize there were 20 something condominiums, you know, complexes on the books that were going to go forward. Yeah. And once, once the mortgage industry had their challenges, all those kind of dried up. We were able to still make it, but it, was, it, made, it made for a tougher time. No doubt. So, Ashley, we have just a couple more minutes to go. You know, what's next? What do you think next is for the coast? Well, you know, I think that uh, we got a real chance here to do something great. I, I saw a, something the other day that has really stuck with me. It was a report Goldman Sachs did. And it, it, there were a lot of things in it, but it, one of the main things takeaways was that uh, 75% of every dollar spent by 2025 20, in the United States is going to be spent by a millennial. Mm-hmm. So if we're not mm-hmm. figuring out right now how to position ourselves to be a part of that, uh, then we're already behind. And uh, I think the coast is, is going to embrace that. I think that we could be uh, one of those great new destinations. You know, as we talked about Nashville and Austin earlier, the people, the, rate, the reason that people go to these places is because they have created a comprehensive ecosystem for success with whatever you're doing and we've got to do the same here but we've got the tools we have a lot of the pieces already in place and so i think what's next is we we just continue to to really put uh, our work and invest our time effort and resources into growing that ecosystem on the coast uh with a with a real vision you know put uh, sort of implementing a strategy that has a vision for where we can be and i think we're going to be successful and let me just say i think we've got leaders in place right now and various organizations, whether it's Milton Cigar at Tourism or Paul Gavin at Gulf Regional Planning. I mean, you look across the board, we've got some great thought leaders. I think we I think we have all the pieces now to start really running with the ball here and hopefully ultimately be very successful. Well, the coast is already the strongest region of the state. Yes. We have an opportunity to be a leader in the U.S. And with that kind of thinking and that kind of leadership, I think we can be. Hey, it's been great talking to you, Ashley. And I think our listeners, after hearing you speak and, and hearing your story, can understand why I call you the young leaders of the storm. It's been great sharing your, your immersion of leadership here in coastal Mississippi, and I look forward to having you back soon. Well, I want to thank you, Ricky. It's yeah. a great an honor. Uh, no one is better to be doing this than you are. It's an honor. It really is. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, buddy. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.